In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Today is the prelude of the goodwill of God. This weekend we celebrate the presentation of the Theotokos in the temple. And we also reach this point in the Divine Liturgy where we are celebrating or we are commemorating the Cherubic Hymn, the Great Entrance. Let me find it in our Divine Liturgy before we, in my text. I remember last week that we expressed this idea of the great procession of Jesus Christ, represented by the deacons as the, cherub, the cherubs and the seraphs, bringing the bread and the wine from the external building, another building. In our divine liturgy, we are just bringing the gifts of bread and wine from one table to another table. It's a very short walk. But in the great cathedrals in the early history of the church, it was another building. But with the eyes of the Christian, we see this great procession of Christ himself bringing, being processed by seraphs and cherubs, represented by the deacons, carrying Christ in great procession, bringing and proclaiming the coming of the kingdom of God. I want to focus in a bit on the words rather than the procession itself, the movement itself. The prayer that's said by the priest, you may not always hear it, but you can all see the text now. You can just look up the divine liturgy. No one who is bound by the desires and pleasures of the flesh is worthy to approach or draw near or to minister to you, O King of glory, to serve you as great and awesome, even for the heavenly powers. Yet your inexpressible and boundless love for mankind, you became man without change or alteration and became our high priest, and as a master of all, committed to us this sacred ministry of this liturgical sacrifice without the shedding of blood. And as it happens, the readings for today come together to help us to understand this text. And it helps us to understand our worthiness before God. So many people come to me and say, Father, I am just not worthy. I never find myself and never find that there's anything that I can do that makes me worthy enough to take communion or to consider myself even a Christian. And my response to them, and I'm, I'm afraid very few of them actually believe me, is my response to them is, is to say, God makes you worthy. God looks upon you and sees that you are worthy. And we see this in the Gospel text, written absolutely clear for us, that Jesus is in the synagogue, and he looks around the synagogue, and he sees a woman who is infirm, so much so that she is bent double, not just bent over slightly, but bent completely double. So her face is on her knees. And she has been like that for 18 years. And it's the Sabbath day. And the people of God are so strict about the Sabbath day, the day of rest, that they will do no work, that they will 
allow an ox or a donkey to be released. They will pull the cord to allow that donkey to be released of their rope. They'll pull the rope to loosen it so that the donkey will go to water, but they will not tie the donkey back up again because that's work. In modern day terms, a strict Orthodox Jew will switch a light on, sorry, off, but not switch a light on because that's work. Okay, so zero work is allowed to be done on a Sabbath. And Jesus does something, again, scandalous and extraordinary because he reaches out and says to the woman, come here, behold, your infirmity has been removed. You are worthy. Stand up. And she stands up. She does work. He does work. But even more extraordinary, she does work because she stands up and glorifies God. And the temple people are incredulous. Six days a week you have, Jesus, to do work, to heal this woman. And on a Sabbath, you heal this woman. And Jesus' response is, if you can't bring yourself to heal this woman, you are willing to allow one of your cattle to go for water, and yet you will not heal somebody. He says to this woman, who is bent double in pain, bent double with her sins, bent double with whatever she is suffering from, whether she is suffering from her own sinfulness, whether she is suffering from disease, it doesn't matter. What matters is that Jesus looks at her and has compassion on her and says, Stand upright, for you are worthy. And we see this in the prayer of the priest. The prayer of the priest is no one who is bound by the desires and pleasures of of the flesh. And we know in other texts that are told us again and again there is no one who does not sin except Jesus Christ. There is no one who is worthy to stand before the temple, before the holy of holies. We hear in St Paul's epistle to the Hebrews, Paul writing to the Jewish people and explaining why do we continue as Christians to have the divine liturgy. He says well, because the divine liturgy is prefigured, the prelude of the divine liturgy is in the practices of the Jewish people. The showbread, the tabernacle, everything that we have here in the divine liturgy is prefigured in the practices of the Jewish people, except for one important difference. And it's the end of that first paragraph of the prayer. In the prayer, or in the practices of the Jewish people, it is for the giving of blood, the blood sacrifice. The high priest, a human being high priest, goes in and sacrifices the blood of lambs for the ignorances and the sins of the people. But he has to do it every year. And he has to keep on doing it for every ignorance again and again and again. Because they are not worthy. And no matter what they do, they have to keep on giving an offering and giving an offering and giving blood. But the high priest, 
the great high priest Jesus Christ comes and offers himself such that our sacrifice now becomes an unbloody sacrifice, a sacrifice that doesn't require the shedding of blood because the shedding of Jesus Christ's blood upon the cross happens once and once only and for all time. This becomes an eternal gift, a permanent gift that we all participate in, a gift of himself. Because later on in this prayer, the priest says to God, I come to you with bended neck and entreat you, do not turn your face from me, nor reject me amongst your children, but count me your sinful and unworthy servant, worthy to offer you these gifts. And this is the important line. For you are he that offers, and he that is offered, both he that receives, and he that is given. You are he that offers, and he that is offered. Jesus Christ is offered, but offers as well. He receives, but he is that which is given. There are two things going on in the divine liturgy at all times. Jesus Christ is giving, but also receiving, in the same time that we are giving and we are receiving. And the same is also happening at this feast of the presentation of the Mother of God. We're celebrating in blue because we're celebrating the feast of the Mother of God. Today is the prelude of the goodwill of God. We step back in time a little bit, just as we're beginning to prepare for the feast of the nativity of God in the flesh, otherwise known in the rest of the world as Christmas, where we give it its full title, the nativity of God in the flesh. We see a little back in history, the presentation of Mary into the temple. And here's a paradox for you. Mary is entering into the temple. She is a young child. Not yet even maybe eight, nine years old. She is entering into the temple. And yet in the hymnography of the church, in what we know that she is going to be, she is going to give birth to God. She's going to give birth to Jesus Christ, who is God in the flesh. She is going to contain God in her womb. The only other time that God has been contained in the world is in the Holy Tabernacle, in the Tabernacle, in the great Temple of Jerusalem. God is contained in the temple, in the holiest of holies. So Mary is going to contain the uncontainable, the unknowable God, is going to be contained in the womb of this Virgin Mary. She is going to become the temple. And yet at this moment, Mary, the maiden, is entering into the temple of God. The temple enters into the temple. 
She who is going to contain God is entering into that which is the presence of God. Can you see the beautiful paradox that is being offered to us here? She who is going to give birth to God is the temple of God, entering into the temple of God. And the same will become true of us in a few short moments, because we often think of ourselves as being so separate of God from Mary. Mary is so wonderful, so beautiful, so perfect, almost so close to God that she is different from us, and yet we are so like her. She is the temple of God, and she has entered into the temple of God, and she has given birth to God. She has contained God in her womb without being destroyed, and she has borne God into the world. And we think ourselves unworthy, and yet God sees us and makes us worthy. He looks on us and says, stand upright. Lay aside every care of this world as we sing in the cherubic hymn. It's not just a pretty hymn. Of course, it is beautiful. It's not just some nice words. It is an instruction. Lay aside all the cares of the world. Stand upright, you infirm of the world. Because I have prepared you for something vitally important. I have prepared you to enter into the holiest of holies. I have prepared you to become temples of the living God. Why have I said that? Because in a few short minutes, you will be standing upright before the living God, before the Eucharist, and you will be taking communion. The living God will be entering into your bodies. You will become temples of the living God. Just as the living God came into and hovered over and became inside the womb of, the, of Mary, the God-bearer, the living God becomes part of your body through the Eucharist. You will become temples of the living God. And you, as the temples of the living God, will bear God into the world. You are as important as that. You are as worthy as that. God has deemed you worthy. Axios, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.